I'm glad to be with you this morning, and uh, Pastor Bobby has been preaching on covenant relationship. Uh, he's been preaching through our church covenant, and uh, last time I preached, you probably remember, I don't know, I uh, preached, uh, I'm working on a building. Do y'all remember that? Did y'all sing with me? I'm working on a building, Holy Ghost building. Working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. <clears throat> I won't go there again, but um, anyway, God is up to something, isn't he? God is working on a building, and you are it. Uh, you're, you're that. Uh, <clears throat> has anybody ever told you that you're a piece of work? <laughs> well, you are a piece of work. I am too. Sometimes I feel like I am a big mess, but God's patient and God's not finished with me yet. And um, I'll get this thing adjusted in just a minute. <clears throat> but <clears throat> God is doing something great in our midst, in the, in the earth, uh, uh, building his house for his holy habitation. God wants to dwell in the midst of his people and it's not just us gathered together corporately, but it's you individually. You are the temple of God. You are the dwelling place of God. God lives in you by the Holy Spirit if you have been born again. And Jesus told Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus was a leader of Israel. He was a teacher of Israel. Um, so if anybody knew anything about the scripture, it was Nicodemus, right? And he came to Jesus at night because he, you know, he had to come incognito, right? And he came and he said, Jesus, we know you're a great teacher that's come from God because of all the mighty things you do. And Jesus didn't waste any time. He got right down to it. He said, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. He said, you have to be born of the Spirit and born of water uh, to even enter the kingdom of God, to see the kingdom of God. Of course, Nicodemus said, well, how can I be born again? He started thinking natural birth. Get, how do I go back into my mama's womb and, and re-enter this world? He says, you know, I'm talking to you about heavenly things. You know, you should know you're a teacher, you know. But it, his... His physical heritage, being a natural Jew, was not enough. He needed to be born again to be a child of God. And so it's important that Jew and Gentile be born again, and then we become the work of God. God is building up a spiritual house, and you and me, we're those lively stones that God is bringing out of the, the rock quarry of this world. He's bringing us out and he's putting us into his spiritual house. You and me, we're uniquely placed. There's, there's no other one that can fit your place. You're that special, all right? And God has a work for you to do and he's going to chisel on you. He's going to get out that chisel hammer and he's going to start perfecting you because he's perfecting us all to take on the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And in fact, Romans 8, 29, it tells us that 
to those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So now that he's called you out of the and pulled you out of the rock quarry and he's brought you to the building site and he's put you in the wall, he's going to chisel on you to make you look like Jesus. Sometimes you might say, ouch, it might hurt the dealings of God, right? Where he is taking away, but he's bringing into you into that new image of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk a lot more about this, um, but I want to read to you um, from Exodus chapter 40. We'll just continue to talk about um, God's working on a building, okay? Uh, but God is a finisher, and you'll see that as the, our title today. What God starts, God finishes. And we look in Exodus, Exodus chapter 40. This scripture, uh, I don't know why, did, why this scripture always gives me chill bumps, Holy Ghost chill bumps, but it does. Goosebumps, whatever you call it. Um, so let's, let's read verses 33 through 38. We have it for you here. Um, so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that you give to us. Lord, thank you that your word uh, is that lamp to our feet, it's a light to our pathway. Lord, you don't leave us in this world to stumble in darkness, but Lord, you give us your guiding light. You give us your word to lead us so that we don't have to fall and stumble, but we can walk in that certain path of righteousness that you have for each of us, all of us. And Lord, today, as we get into your word, Holy Spirit, speak to each of us. Lord, you know where we are in our journey. You know what we need. And God, you just want to tear down the lies and you want to rebuild the truth and make us into your perfect image, the image of your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, we're here. We present ourselves. We yield ourselves. Holy Spirit, have your way in all of our hearts. Lord, be Lord of all. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people said, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> yeah, this... Uh, Tabernacle. Let me get a swig, a swig of water. <clears throat> uh, the tabernacle that Moses built. Moses was instructed to build the tabernacle exactly after the pattern that was shown him on the mount in Mount Sinai. You remember when he went up into the mount? And he was there forty days. People started wondering. Where's Moses? <laughs> but he got the Ten Commandments. 
They were, God wrote them with his finger in stone. He brought those Ten Commandments back down to, to Israel in the valley there. And um, he went back up for 40 more days. And it was all in that time God gave him a revelation, showed him the tabernacle that he was supposed to build. Now, can you imagine how that looked? By the way, there's a poster in the, one of the classrooms uh, of the camp of Israel. God is a, a God of order. God is very meticulous. You know, God didn't just leave things up to Moses to assume or imagine or use his own Greek. God told him exactly how to do everything to the last dot and tittle, right? And, um, and so he got that revelation from, from uh, God on the mount. And, and, and it says here that Moses finished the work. We know that God was pleased with what Moses did because God came down and moved in and took up residence. So much so that Moses could not enter into the temple that he built for God, of course, to live in. So, but the glory of God, the cloud of God was in that temple so much so that they, he could not enter it himself. And, um, and of course, that cloud, can you imagine you had like, it, that picture they have in the, off, in the classroom in there? Uh, it's like a cross looking down from the mountains surrounding the valley where the, I mean, there are probably at least a million Israelites, but estimates are higher that there were three million, six million, I don't know, but it was a city, you know, and they're out there and God gave them order how all the tribes are, you know, there are 12 tribes. So you had three here, three here, three here, three here. And in the middle was the tabernacle of Moses. And the glory of God in a cloud, a pillar of cloud came down and dwelt in that tabernacle. And all of Israel could look to the center and see God's with us. God's with us. God is leading us. And guess what? When that cloud would pick up, they had to break camp and follow the cloud and sometimes that cloud would stay for one day they'd set up camp stay and the next day cloud would get up and go and they'd follow it because that cloud gave them shade from the heat of the sun in the daytime and at night it gave them warmth and it gave them guidance it, it illumined their uh, their surroundings because it was a pillar of fire so that's what god was to them uh with his covenant people and so they they would uh and you had the levites remember the tribe of levi they were the ones who were told how to to break camp uh, to pack to take care of the things of god all of the the tabernacle and all of the furniture and all of the equipment uh, God gave them uh, precise instructions on how to do everything. And there's a scripture <clears throat> uh, that uh, I love. It's Numbers chapter 10, verses 35 through 36. And when that cloud would lift, Moses had something that he would say. And it says, and whenever the ark set out, now the ark was a piece of furniture. It was the most important piece of furniture in the tabernacle of Moses. It was the Ark of the Covenant, and it was in that Holy of Holies. And 
inside that, I'm getting really detailed here, but inside that ark was like the Ten Commandments. There was the pot, a bowl of manna, and there was Aaron's rod that budded. You know, these are all stories in themselves. But all of these were testimonies to Israel of God's com- of faithfulness of his commandments, and they were a witness of God's faithfulness and of his commandments. And, um, and so nobody could go into that Holy of Holies except the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. And he could only enter with the blood from the altar. Y'all got me? And he would come in there on the Day of Atonement and sprinkle that blood over the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And it would cover the sins of Israel for that year so that God could dwell, the Holy God could dwell with Israel. And um, so when uh, all of that to tell you, and whenever the ark set out, when the cloud lifted, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it rested, when the cloud settled, he would say, Return, O Lord, to the ten thousand thousands of Israel. We used to sing a song in our church, and it's just a little old chorus song. Arise, O God, let your enemies be scattered. And we hit it real hard, you know. Arise, O God, let your enemies be scattered. We'd sing that song for 30 minutes until we had camp meeting. You know, we'd march around the church and, and uh, oh, those are good times, man. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but we would, this based on this, this scripture here, Numbers chapter 10. Um, so we notice when the cloud moved, God's people moved with the cloud. When the cloud remained, God's people remained. The cloud was their shade in the heat of the day, the fire by night to warm them and illumine their, their way. Uh, today for the church, the Holy Spirit is our shade in the noonday. He's our fire by night in our night seasons. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He told his disciples, you wait until you receive the promise of the Father, which was the Holy Spirit. And we see that happen in Acts chapter 2. You read that. as a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit as they stayed in that upper room and prayed and, and prayed. There's 120 of them. That's, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, um, the Holy Spirit, the Bible teaches us, Paul tells us to walk in the Spirit. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Because that's the cloud that God uh, sends. That's, the, that's that, His presence, you know. And he dwells in us, and he is a, he's on the move. God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is on the move. He ain't sitting still. Now, he will, but you got to be ready to move when he moves. And so we want to learn to walk in the Spirit of God that lives in us as born again. Are you born again? Come on, Baptist. <laughs> well, are we born of the Spirit? How do you know if you're born of the Spirit? You know you're born of the Spirit because you get a brand new heart. God does a work 
of grace in you where he takes out the stony heart and he gives you a soft heart that yields to the Holy Spirit and obeys the commands of God. So you have a change of heart, a change of nature where you're not carnal, given to the flesh, but now you're seeking God's kingdom first and his righteousness. And it's, you do it because the spirit of God in you is empowering you now and he's given you a heart that loves God in return. God loves you, you love him back, right? And all of this is because of the work of God. And so um, we want to follow the cloud. Now, when we look at this chapter 40, we can go back to chapter 35 and Moses finished the work, but <clears throat> the people made a contribution. And we will see uh, in chapter 35, let me scroll down here. Moses said to all the congregation, the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a what? A generous heart. Let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze. And the list goes on and on. There's all kinds of uh, items that the people of, of Israel could bring to build the tabernacle. And then in verse 20, then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses and they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart they brought, and it's going to begin to list items, brooches, earrings, signet rings, armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And drop down in verse 29, all the men and women, the people of Israel, whose heart moved them to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a free will offering to the Lord. So we see this, this willingness this generosity, uh, this wanting to contribute to the work that God was doing through Moses to build the tabernacle. And so that today is us. We're the people of God. And the Spirit of God, God is building His house. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're the people of God, and the Spirit of God will move upon us to contribute to the work of God for the building up of His church. That word building up just means edifice, edification, the building up. So every time you do something, use your gift in the house of God to a brother, to a sister, to the church body. You're encouraging it. You're building it up and it, it grows. There's got to be that tender love, right? TLC. And um, you don't want, it, we don't want this to be a cold gathering, do we? We want it to be a warm gathering where we come together, our heart is about serving one another. Our heart is concerned about the well-being of each one of us. And we want to help each other 
to go forward in God. So uh, when we see Moses finish the work, he finished the work, but look at all the giving of God's people <clears throat> and uh, that, that made it possible. I want to look at uh, the words of Jesus. And we'll go to John chapter 19. Jesus is a finisher. And we see that in this chapter here. By the way, this chapter is about the crucifixion of Christ. And we're coming up on um, our celebration of Easter, which starts with Palm Sunday. We'll go through Good Friday where he was crucified. And then, of course, Sunday, uh, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And uh, in John chapter 19, verse 28 through 30, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to, its, to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So when Jesus cries out, it is finished, he knows that he has completed the work of redemption for all of us. Because um, we all, the, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, so we know that the penalty of our sin is death. That's the debt that we owe. Eternal damnation, separation from God's favor, from God's love, from God's blessing. And yet he came on that cross and he took our place, didn't he? He paid a debt he didn't owe. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. We needed someone to wash our sins away. Now we sing that song, Amazing Grace. <clears throat> he paid a debt that uh, we owed. And if we read in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he that knew no sin became the sin offering. He took all of our sins upon himself and we now can take his right standing with God and have a relationship with God the Father in, the, in his righteousness, in his righteousness, in his right standing with God. And that's a great exchange. It's something that we didn't deserve but we all need, right? And Jesus paid that debt for us. He finished the work of redemption. We'll talk about this in a minute, but guess what? There's nothing else that can be done to add to what Jesus did. It is finished. It's complete. It is done. So we don't have to do good works to gain God's favor. All we do is receive God's favor through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, I was reading Matthew 27, verses 50 through 54, and another account of Jesus on the cross. 
Um, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is when Jesus cried out, it is finished. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, where's that temple? Well, this is the temple of, this is Herod's temple, but there was a temple of Solomon. There was the, that uh, he built for his dad, David. (laughs) And there was the tabernacle of Moses. They all had this curtain. It was called the veil. And it stood in front of that ark. And it blocked the way to the Holy of Holies. Nobody could go through that veil because the sin separates. And that veil was a sign of our sin separating us from God's presence, from God's love, from his mercy and his grace. And it says that veil was, that curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus cried out, it is finished. Now the way into the presence of God was available to all of us. We can come with confidence now, the author of Hebrews says, we can come confidence to the throne of grace now. Come with confidence, with boldness, actually it says. We can come with that kind of assurance, not because we're coming in our goodness, but we're coming in the righteousness of Jesus. We come in the blood that was shed for us, the blood of Christ. And now we can come into the very throne room of God and we can we can fellowship with him. We can, we can talk to him. We can cast our burdens on him because he cares for us. But it goes on to say uh, that when that veil was torn, the earth shook. We know it was the, I wanted to say this, we know it was the work of God because it was torn from the top to the bottom. It wasn't torn from the bottom up, it was torn from the top down, which to me signifies this is the work of God. This is the hand of God. This is what God has done. And what it has done, it shows us there's a new covenant. There's a new and a living way. We can all come into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it also goes on to say some crazy things. The tombs were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him kept watching over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the Son of God. Um, It's really interesting when we're coming up on this time of Easter, to look at the crucifixion accounts because each one kind of gives a different perspective of the same story. And here you hear this centurion who witnesses the death of Christ. We're talking about his death. He hasn't been raised yet. But just in his dying, he saw this, surely this is the son of God. In one other account, it says, truly this was an innocent Man, And it says they left beating on their chest, their breast, when they walked away from his death. They went there, for, it was a spectacle, but they came away beating on their breast because they realized they had killed an innocent man, and not just an innocent man, but the Son of God. So it's just interesting to take all that in. Um, Hebrews chapter 10 tells you what I've been saying. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Since we have a great priest, high priest, or a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we have that confidence that we can come now into the presence of God uh, because his body was torn. The veil was torn, his body was torn. And really, his body veiled his glory, didn't it? It's, uh, Jesus was not just a man, he was fully God, but he was, his glory was hidden by that veil of his flesh. But when his veil, the flesh was torn, now his glory can be seen. And um, I want to just look at, uh, go back to, uh, <clears throat> to Acts chapter 2. And, and when we look at uh, the day of Pentecost, when God poured out His Spirit <clears throat> on His church, um, look at it, you know, the, the Great Commission was there with Jesus. He told His disciples to go in all the world and preach the gospel to all nations and making disciples, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And so we look at this, this is a new thing God's doing. It's, it's like you're, you and me both, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says we are a new, what? We're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so God has started a new thing through his church. It's a new work. And uh, he's going to finish it. What he starts in you, he says, I will finish. Uh, but I look at Genesis chapter 2. And um, I think of his first creation when he created uh, the world. <laughs> Let me just read uh, the, the opening verses in chapter 2. He says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So we see God working, we see God finishing his work, and we see God resting. And now we're that new creation. We're a spiritual work that God is doing. But guess what? Jesus said, it is finished. The work of redemption, like I said earlier, it is complete. It is finished. And now there's a rest. So when we get saved... We enter into a time, we enter into a rest. Jesus sits at the Father's right hand right now. It says he finished, you know, making atonement for us. There's nothing else we can do there. There's a rest for us to enter into. We don't have to work for our salvation. Isn't that good news? It's real good news. And so there's a rest that we enter into as Christians. 
And we don't have to be busy about trying to save our souls. Jesus took care of all of that for us on the cross. And yet there is a work for us to do. Yet it's not the work of redemption. That's been done through Jesus. But there is, there, there's a new work. God's not finished with you yet. Remember I said you're a piece of work? So he's working on you. It's called sanctification. And so we all are yielding to the Holy Spirit as God changes us into the likeness of his son. And you know what? It leads to life. It leads to abundant life when we yield to the Holy Ghost. We yield to what God's doing in that sanctifying work. But there's also another work that God wants to do. And that is, he wants us to be about the Great Commission, going into all the world, preaching the gospel to the nations, uh, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, making disciples, teaching them to observe all that he's commanded. That's the building up of God's house. And we can all be involved in that. And you know what? This house is not poor. It's rich. Not financially, but it's rich with your gifts. Because God has invested in you. God has given you a spiritual gift. And God says, I want you to use that gift for the building up of my house so I can dwell mightily in the midst of my people. And I believe that where there is a yieldedness, a generosity, a commitment, a giving of our hearts to what God's doing, that God's presence will be manifested, made known. It will be in our midst in a greater capacity. There'll be brokenness in this house. There'll be people, I mean, we'll be surrendering every moment, or, you know, to, to the will of God, to the work of God, to what he wants to do in our lives. We'll be seeking his face. This is what uh, Nick was talking about in the first service about spending time with God in prayer, you know. So there's that, so we know and discern the will of God. Um, but there's that, there's that rest, but there's still a work to be done. But I think there's a, a real um, peace in knowing that we don't have to work anymore for our salvation. Jesus did it all. But there is the work that he's called us to, the ministry that he's called us to, to serve. Um, I'm done. <laughs> I'm finished. We got to the end. We finished. Uh, but uh, I think of Philippians chapter one, verse six, he says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so, <clears throat> What he started in you, that you have the promise that he will finish. Look, I've lived long enough, uh, as you can see the gray hair, that there are ups and downs, there are challenges in our Christian walk. Um, there are seasons where uh, they call it the dark night of the soul. I've had those where I question my faith, where I question God. Um, we go through this is in this journey of faith, we go through a lot of trials and sometimes we may, we fail miserably to the point that we don't feel like we can get back up. Um, I've done that. 
And I just want to tell you, God will not give up on you. God will resurrect you. God will, he'll start all, he'll, he'll do a new thing in you. Um, in Hebrews 12, we hear this. He tells us to lay aside every weight of sin. Lay aside those things that so easily distract, that weigh us down so we can run the race with endurance. But he tells us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author, the founder of your faith. So your faith began when you met Jesus, when you trusted Jesus. But it also says he is the finisher of your faith. He is the perfecter. He is the one who completes it. So he's going to finish what he started. What we have to do is we have to yield. We have to yield. And there's a lot of distractions in the world. There's a lot out there that, that wants to take our eyes off of Jesus. But I just want to ask you, are we committed to the work God is doing in us? And are we committed to the work God is doing through us? Are our hearts stirred and willing and generous? Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, that you are a finisher. You're faithful. What you started, you promised that you will finish in all of us. Lord, I know there are people here today and they're challenged. Uh, there, there are situations, circumstances, things that have happened um, that, Lord, test their faith. But, Lord, I just pray today that um, you'll encourage every heart with your presence and we'll know that you are with us. You haven't left us. You haven't forsaken us. But you're right here with us. And you're leading us like that cloud that led the people of Israel. Holy Spirit, you are leading us. We're not abandoned. We're not orphans. You're our counselor. You're our comforter. You're our God. And you're leading us right now. And I just pray, God, that you'll touch every heart here that stands before you in need and bring that encouragement, bring that guidance and direction. And you'll just clear Clear the skies, Lord, so we can see plainly what it is you have for us. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.